Good morning to you people of Chesterfield, uh, people of the Carl Beach and Clan. Uh, my name is Tarn, Tarn Bright, and uh, I'm delighted to be sharing with you this morning. I'd like to talk this morning about something possibly a little um, unpopular, and that is, uh, what do we do when we're feeling a bit overwhelmed? Because I, at the moment, I'm feeling a bit overwhelmed. I've seen so much stuff over the last couple of months about um, being my best COVID self. During this time of lockdown, uh, we're seeing people who are uh, learning brand new skills and perhaps having learnt a new language. I know in Carl's case, uh, learning to play the trumpet. Um, of, of course, of course, he would do that because he's brilliant, and we love him. Um, but I, I, I found that I've, I've not been the person I thought I would be necessarily during COVID. I mean, don't get me wrong; I've held it all together. The boys and I have had some really fantastic times. Uh, work has continued for me, and um, I've been doing some really worthwhile and purposeful things. But I've not knocked it out the park in the way that I thought I would and I've just realised that that I, I, I absolutely need to hold intention still yet at 47 and greying and hopefully a bit wiser than I was in my 20s and 30s but I, I've, I've, I've still got to learn the lesson of how to manage when it does all feel as though it's unravelling and things feel overwhelming. I'll just put it in context for you. So at this point in time, um, I am a single mum, solo mum to two beautiful uh, boys. And uh, I work, I work very hard, doing things I love doing, working in the areas of social justice, social action, uh, caring for your neighbour. Um, I work for the Diocese of London and also for yourneighbour.org. And I love what I do. Um, but life is very full. And I, f I found over the years that it's as though I live life um, with, you know, that sort of picture of the elastic band, if you like, that is pulled very tight most of the time because of the things that I'm managing and the things that I'm juggling. And, and most of the time, that's fine. I can hold that intention. And I can hold it in a way that doesn't feel as though it's about to snap but neither does it feel too loose, it's taut. And what happens is, when things come along that weren't anticipated, weren't expected, weren't planned for, it can pull that elastic band just that bit too tight and it leaves you with that sense of tension that it could snap any minute. And I'm in that place right now where the elastic band has not got any give to it. It's not got any stretch left to it. And at those moments, it's when I feel most overwhelmed. It's when I feel like, oh, I just wish there was some more give. I just wish there was some elasticity left. And there just isn't at the moment. My beautiful son, one of my beautiful sons, Charlie, had a, an accident the other week on his bicycle. And we were cycling along as a, as, a, as a little family to go to the skate park. And he toppled 
just wobbled actually, just toppled off his bike. It was very undramatic actually. It wasn't like he was doing sort of, you know, it wasn't like he was doing a wheelie or a skid or something, which of course uh, have been uh, many, uh, many in occurrence. But he literally just did this very odd sort of little topple. Uh, but he did land on his elbow and, and he screamed out in pain and bless him, of course he would have done, that would have been very painful. And, and as I rushed to him and sort of picked him up and dusted him off and kissed him and did all the mummy mummy things, um, I, he wasn't calming down in the way that he normally would. And, and I, I sort of realised relatively quickly that something else was going on here that really was, he really was hurt uh, as opposed to just sort of a bit bruised or bumped. And so, cut a very long story short, it has ended up in the last week with um, it being found on x-rays that he had done quite a significant amount of damage to his arm, both a break and also a bend. Yes, only my son <laughs> could bend a bone as, as well as break another. And it had really impacted his elbow and uh, knocked something out of alignment as well. And the hospitals were fantastic. Evelina Hospital in London, for those of you that know it, it's a world-class children's hospital. Very, very blessed because of where I live to have been able to have accessed that service. But it ended up with him spending a very, very long, long day yesterday in um, hospital having surgery on his arm. And that in effect took a couple of days out of my week because we were at the hospital all day on Thursday as well, near enough. And I, I have work to do and I have things that, 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 you know, stack together during the week in a very intricate way. So I make everything work. And so, of course, that was pushed out. But he's my priority, right? So, of course, that happens. Of course, Charlie was going to come first. But it sort of left me just with that feeling of... of things not being ordered, things sort of, few things falling off the edge as it were, a few plates about to crash uh, just in, in a work context. But you know, that, that's as it is and I've, I've managed that from, from just an anxiety perspective. But just the worry, the sheer worry as a mum, this is the first time that Charlie had ever gone into um, hospital and had a general anaesthetic and that moment where saying goodbye to him, kissing goodbye to him uh, as he went under, just sort of, I have to admit, I had a, a bit of a moment, had a bit of a cry. Um, now, on top of that all happening, my dad is in a care home um, with, with really significant dementia and he has contracted COVID. And so I've been sort of managing that this week as well. He's obviously in isolation and they're looking after him uh, as best they can, brilliantly. We've never had any issues with the care home at all. Um, so what with managing that emotionally and then my little chipper Charlie and, and just work being, you know, in, in this season of life with, because of COVID uh, has, been, has been just full on in, in needing to support those who are vulnerable and elderly and isolated. And, and a few other things have happened, which I, I, you know, I won't go into for the sheer purpose that we don't have enough time. But I land that with you just to say I have felt and am feeling a bit overwhelmed. And I've gone back and thought to myself, what skills do I have? What can I put into place in order that I can manage this? And um, dare I use that word again, be my best COVID self as best as I can 
in this season and to respond as well as I can to feeling overwhelmed. And obviously, it's no surprise as a as a as a Bible loving uh, woman um, and 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 a and a ruly disciple of the ancient Nazarene Jesus. I, I, I looked for examples of where Jesus has negotiated this, and of course, I think the most outstanding example that we can see is in the Garden of Gethsemane um, in Mark 14. Um, where yeah, we just read that, that this depiction of Jesus being under acute pressure. And the first thing that actually happened when I read this scripture, guys, was uh, actually it really helped it really helped reframe, actually, my feelings of being overwhelmed. I thought, wow, well, OK, first things first, my life is not in risk. My life is not at risk in the way it was when we read this scripture and Jesus was was grappling and wrestling with the fact that he was about to go through the most horrific experience to the point of death. But before I go any further, let me just read you the scripture that I'm referring to. And we read here in Mark 14, 32 to 34. Then they went to a place called Gethsemane and Jesus said to his disciples, sit down here until I've prayed. He took Peter, James and John with him and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled, extremely anguished at the prospect of what was to come. And he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved and overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch. Now that's in the amplified version, which I love reading because it sometimes just gives a few little added snippets into what the scripture is trying to uh, draw out. And, and I guess for me, and reading that scripture over and over as I have done over these last few days, it struck me a few things that have helped me, as I've said, dig back into how I can cope in a way that is um, honest and, and transparent and doesn't, doesn't force me into a place where doesn't force me into a place where I'm I'm in denial on on anything, or or neither does it cause me to become um, paralysed with feeling overwhelmed. How can I, with the use of this scripture, um, best place myself to cope at this challenging time? And do you know the first thing that struck me was that he took his mates along. It it it, it references in that scripture it, Peter, James, and John. He took them with him. I don't know why I've not seen that before. I must have read that scripture a million times. I've not seen that before. Jesus took his mates along. For those of you that are Facebook friends with me, you, you'll, you'll, you'll perhaps see on my Facebook status that after getting home last night with Chipper Charlie, and he'd royally vomited in the car as well um, as we were getting out the car uh, on, on the way home, and uh, and I was I was beginning to think, oh Lord, this is just going to be a really long long night, and it was. But you know, the privilege and joy is caring for for my two. I, I adopted them, as many of you know. It's just one of the greatest joys of my life. But as as I'm kind of getting Charlie back home, uh, I, I was sort of thinking, golly, this 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 is going to be this is going to be a, a challenge. Um, he was seemingly not dealing very well, having been under the general anaesthetic. But as I laid in bed with him. He fell asleep and, and I, I, I laid there and I was looking at him. 
and I was looking at the perfection of his freckles and the curl of his hair and just the beauty of his little ears. And as I sat there just absolutely appreciating him for who he is and the joy of having him in my life, the thing that I also became really struck by was that I'd been able to do all that level of caring that I did with Charlie yesterday because I took my mates along. I had friends who drove us to hospital, gave us a gift pack st stuffed full of, of, of things, magazines and cake mixture and wine and all sorts of things just to, just to help me over these next few days. Friends all over the world texting and emailing, checking in, making sure everything was all right. Uh, it goes on and on. And this Facebook post that I made last night was a, a, just an utter emotional dump of gratitude. It, and the more that I typed, I mean, it went on and on for a very long time because I just realised the beauty of the community around me that I have invested in. But my gosh, who invest into us in a way that leaves me breathless. And, and I realised that actually we have got to be really intentional about taking our mates along when it gets tough. But the good times too, of course, but when the pressure hits... We've got to ask. We've got to ask people. We've got to ask people for help and not be ashamed or afraid of that. It's not a sign of weakness. And with my sort of temperament, I, you know, I feel a bit sort of bullish, I suppose. I, with my temperament, I, I, I sort of tend to think, oh, I dared not ask because everyone's got their own rucksack full of rocks, right? And my rucksack isn't any lighter than anybody else's. So why, why would somebody give me their precious time uh, and help me out. Well, do you know, it's wrong thinking. It's absolutely wrong thinking and it stems from pride. And I am making intentional decisions to take my mates along. When it gets tough, take my mates along like Jesus did. For the first time ever, I set up a little WhatsApp group the other day just for me. And it felt decadent and it felt wrong. But there's a specific area in my life right now that is just causing some difficulty, just a, a, an external issue that I'm trying to navigate and I need wisdom on and I need help and I need wiser people than me to be able to say, Tan, have you thought about it from this angle? Have you thought about saying this? Have you thought about saying that? And I set up a WhatsApp group just to pray through this specific issue that I'm trying to negotiate. And again, that's just an example of of even when it doesn't feel comfortable, take our mates along. Now, the other thing about that scripture as well that, that, that has really struck me with, with Jesus, with his tribe in the Garden of Gethsemane, is that he acknowledged his emotions. He acknowledged them, he shouted it out, he said it for what it is, yeah, I am crushed. I'm, I'm, I'm at the point of, of, of just being toppled by this. I am overwhelmed, it says, with sorrow. There's something about when it feels overwhelming, there's something about naming it, owning it actually by naming it. Stating what that emotion is actually puts us in a position where we can, we can tackle it far better. I've had many instances in my life where I've, I've, I've almost sort of refused to acknowledge certain things, refused to, to, to tackle things. Um, because I just want them to go away, if you like. You know, I think, oh, I should be able to deal with that. Or, oh, I don't know why I'm feeling so hurt about that person who said that thing. Or, And I don't acknowledge it. 
And I look back and I think the times I've least managed something is when I've refused to name what I'm going through. So Jesus does that and so must we. And part of me this morning, just fronting it with you and saying, I'm feeling a bit overwhelmed, is me choosing to follow the truth in that scripture that we've read um, about Jesus and acknowledging the emotion. So taking our mates along, acknowledging the emotion. And the third thing is just assessing the reality. You know, in Jesus kind of saying it as it is, you know, like flip. I just don't know what to do here, guys. You know, this is more than I can bear. Is 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 being truthful about the scale of the significance. You know, you might find it a bit odd that I was sort of able to just sort of say quite calmly, oh, you know, my son's been in hospital and my dad's got COVID. You know, I think it's because these last few days in really grounding this stuff myself, I, I think I've just assessed the reality instead of running away from it. I've assessed it and I've looked at it in the face. And I've said, you know, the worst case scenario is that my dad will, be go, will go to Jesus. It's the worst case scenario, guys. Dad will be with Jesus. And with my son, the worst case scenario is that he might have to have some more surgery. Okay, that's not catastrophic. I've assessed the reality and I've owned what might happen in this particular season. And then something which is really, really key just as, a, as another point before I come into land, is that there's something about handing over control. See, what Jesus models to us in that scripture is that he handed back to God needing to be in control. He handed it back. Father, Father, take this cup from me. But he summarised it with not my will but yours. And in this season, I'm, I'm just deciding to give up the need to be in control because I'm not. If ever there was an illusion, it's being in control. And I think particularly this season that we're all in in life, whereby, you know, we don't know what this thing's going to look like. We don't know what life is going to look like in six months. It's certainly going to be far different to what it was six months ago. All of this, this raw and necessary uh, protesting that we're seeing is just that it feels out of control but you know what that's okay because I just recognize that the pain and the anger that is out there with our black and brown brothers and sisters this needs to be addressed and it feels out of control but that's okay we don't need to control this and as it is therefore with my little scenarios at this point in time I've handed back to Jesus me needing to be in control and it feels good because it means that I then can be available to listen to what he might be prompting me to do and how to cope because I'm listening to him instead of trying to constantly formulate my own little controlled plan, my own little magic formula that I can tell you from past experience and many of them, often my control plans, they fail very quickly. So here I am, having taken my mates along. I've acknowledged the emotion. I've assessed the realities. And I've handed over control. And then lastly, what I've done is that I've done only what I can do. Now, let me just explain that. You see, Jesus in this moment is doing only that which he can do. He's the Messiah. 
as we know. He's doing only that which he could do. Nobody else at this point in history, according to God's salvation plan, Jesus in human form is the only solution for mankind. It's the only solution. And Jesus is utterly aware of that being the fact. He cannot shirk this one. He can't get rid of this responsibility. He can't manoeuvre it. He can't delegate. And in this season, I want to learn from that. I want to learn that whilst I am feeling overwhelmed and that for it to be okay for me to feel overwhelmed, I can only do and should do only that which I can do. See, nobody else right now can be a mum to Mac and Charlie. Nobody else can step into that place of having cared for him in the way that I had the privilege of doing yesterday, that snuggling up nose to nose when he came out of being under general anaesthetic and the first thing he did was bring his arm up and over the back of my neck, our noses were touching, our faces were aligned and his arm went slumped over me and said, Mummy, I love you. Nobody else in that moment could have been his mummy. That's exactly where I needed to be. Certain situations at work, only I can do certain things and other people are gifted to do certain things. I'm not trying to do everything. I'm not trying to be the solution to everyone's problems at work. Only I can do what only I can do. What is it? that we need to name in our lives, that only we can do. And let's make sure that we leave others to therefore do what only they can do. And then that way it helps us manage what we are intended to do. Not trying to delegate where we shouldn't, or in fact take on far more than we should, but focus on that, like Jesus, to do only that which is our mandate to do. And so I leave those things with you, hoping that in my vulnerability and in my transparency with you this morning, that you too, if you are feeling a little bit overwhelmed and anxious and maybe aren't your best COVID self, hopefully those things will help. Take your mates along, be intentional. Acknowledge the emotion, name it. Assess the reality so that we can glare it eyeball to eyeball. And there's just this thing isn't there around managing life in a way where we are honest with it. And then, as I've said, letting God be God, letting control go into his hands. And then finally, being a church, being a people that understand that only we can do what we can do. Only I have got certain roles that I can do. And let's leave others to hold that mandate for themselves too. And then we can be kingdom. And then we can be community and support each other in these times as this outrageously generous community that I have is supporting me at this point. And so I just ask that the Lord bless you and keep you and guide you as uh, we face uncertain months. And would this be of some blessing to you in the days and months ahead? In Jesus' name. Amen.